Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, book lovers. Want to hear a story? Welcome back to Storytime with M. This is a bonus episode from M's Books and Cats podcast where I am sharing my books, uh, currently my book feelers, a chapter or sometimes two a week. And this week is chapter 15. Enjoy. I woke up in my cot to the sound of the others clattering around the kitchen. The girls were in good spirits and everyone seemed energized after a long sleep. When I tried to sit up, a sharp splinter of pain stabbed me behind the eyes, and I saw stars. I fell back onto my cot with a soft cry. Look who's awake, Mina said in a gentle voice. Get up, sleepyhead. We have to get going. She eased me into a sitting position and gave me a glass of icy cold water. I drank it too fast and added brain freeze to my list of aches and pains. My whole body hurt. My limbs felt too heavy. Pain shuttled around from place to place while a dull ache covered everything in subtle discomfort. Minus smile didn't waver, but I felt something change when she placed her hands on me. She knew something was wrong with me, just as the woman had said. I looked around the room. Where is she? Who? Mills? Mina asked. She cautiously rose from my bed and eased herself away from me as if I was contagious. Her kind expression was a mask now. It barely covered her disgust, but I was the only one who noticed. She was gone when we woke. Mina frowned a little. That's not what usually happens, but I'm sure she had a good reason. She turned on her smile again and turned back to the others in the kitchen. Gwen was focused on packing a bag of food and supplies, and kept her attention there. Kaya snuck a few surreptitious glances in my direction, but attempted to remain focused on packing her bag. Get up, Jane. We're leaving as soon as we get the signal, whether you're ready or not. She moved to pull open the purple curtain and extinguish the remaining candles. As I climbed painfully out of bed, I stared at the floor. The blue circles were gone. I had just enough time to throw some food into a bag and fill a bottle of water before we left. Kaya joined me at the sink and placed her hands around mine. Put this in your bottle. It will help with the pain. She met my eyes and squeezed my hands before releasing them, leaving a small packet in my palm. I emptied it into my bottle and watched the small purplish grains dissolve. I sniffed it, but there was no scent. I took a small sip and felt a warmth wash over me. My limbs grew light, and my energy returned as the pain dissipated. Mina led us through the city at a frenetic pace, dashing between buildings and pausing tensely in the shadows. The city was quiet, Everyone had been in bed for hours. Their evening dose of hyptiz was paired with a nice sedative for deep, dreamless sleep. Dreams were dangerous and brought the wrong kind of attention. The buildings grew taller as we entered the center of the city. Towering gray slabs bore dark windows like sightless eyes. Behind each was an apartment, people sleeping peacefully, oblivious to the emptiness of their existence. Mina slipped around the corner, and there was a sudden shout followed by gunshots. Gwen and Kaya froze in front of me. I quickly backed away. Something was very wrong. It burned through every fiber of my being. A hand closed over my mouth, and someone strong dragged me into a nearby building. 
Don't make a sound, a voice hissed in my ear. I'm going to remove my hand, okay? I nodded and the hands released me. I spun around and found myself face to face with Mills, but her face was almost unrecognizable. It was a collage of purple and blue bruises, adorned by wounds crusted with dried blood. One eye was swollen shut, and the visible one was bloodshot. Mills? I gasped, and she put her finger to my lips. She shook her head and motioned for me to follow her. The building was an older structure. Instead of the usual drab gray cement, the floors were polished white stone. A wide staircase ran up one side of the massive room, and we moved quickly up the slippery steps. Mills sprinted ahead, pausing at each landing to listen. I tried to listen as well, but I could only hear gunshots and shouting from outside. We had almost reached the fourth floor when we heard a scream. There was another gunshot, and then silence. Mills moved slowly, quietly, up the final few stairs, and I followed, trying to be as quiet as I could. Every step echoed off the walls. On the fourth floor, Mills turned, and we followed a twisting maze of carpeted corridors. The halls were lined with doors. Each one looked exactly like the others. I was lost almost immediately and stuck close to Mills. She moved with the certainty of someone who knew exactly where she was going. She stopped suddenly and tapped three times on one of the nondescript doors. The sound of the lock being pulled seemed deafening in the silence. The door swung open, revealing a young girl in a dark hooded dress. Mills hurried into the room and ushered the girl back from the door. She quickly shut the door and slid the bolt into place. The room was mostly empty. In one corner was a pile of blankets shaped into a bed. The girl sat down on the pile and silently watched us with round, dark eyes. Mills went to the window and peered through a small crack. She made a low sound of displeasure. That one leading you is corrupt. Looks like she somehow survived the attack. Mills turned to me with a grim expression. No sign of the other two. I sent people to help them, but we won't know if they had success. She moved away from the window and squatted in the middle of the floor. She held her hands wide over the worn, threadbare carpet, and the blue circles appeared. I couldn't stop the gasp that escaped me. The young girl giggled a little, and even Mills cracked a smile. Sit, she said, and I attempted to take the same position. My hips protested angrily, and I tipped over. The girl laughed again. I opted for a much safer, cross-legged position, across from Mills with the circles between us. They were smaller than they had been at the house, and the symbols shone brighter. They lit up the room in a soft glow. Mills moved her hands, and the symbols swirled and danced around the circles. Looking closer, I could see a maze of lines crisscrossing over the surface of each circle. The symbols seemed to move along the lines, but occasionally one jumped from line to line or circle to circle. I sat mesmerized by the movement for a while. The lines blurred and snapped back into focus. They blurred once again, and a new picture formed before me. Cal appeared dragging a bound and tethered Gwen behind him. The young girl snapped her fingers in front of my face and the picture vanished. The lines faded and the symbols slowed their frantic movements. Mills slowly lowered her hands to her sides. The circles remained a moment longer, then faded away. Well? She rose to her feet and put her hands on her hips. Her pale eyes burned. It sent a pang of fear through me. I swallowed hard and squeezed my eyes shut. Cal has Gwen. 
My reply was quiet and my voice rough, but it was enough. Mills nodded with a satisfied smile. I knew it, she beamed. I knew you were different. I felt the old flush of shame heating my cheeks as she said the words. Different was never a good thing to be. She was still grinning as she crossed the room and put her hands on my cheeks. Her touch surprised me, but it was soothing. It's not bad. Never let them tell you that. You are special. There were tears in her haunting eyes and she gripped my shoulders tightly. Her stare was invasive. She could see the darkest parts of me. She knew all of my secrets. I don't know how I knew any of this. She didn't speak once. I was just suddenly absolutely sure that this woman understood me in a way that even I did not entirely understand. I knew as soon as I saw you. Every so often they get a real one. Of course, they have no idea. She inspected my face closely. They have no idea what they had. She examined me a moment longer while my stomach twisted nauseatingly. The girl was staring at me as well. Her face was lit with pure fascination. I couldn't help wondering who these people were and why they were not medicated. Why did no one else seem to be medicated? Mills smiled sadly and shook her head. Most are medicated. Hyptis doesn't work on my kind. She looked me in the eye and raised an eyebrow. Our kind, she added. Our kind? I echoed in disbelief. She nodded. Yes. I knew as soon as I saw you. You saw the circles. No one else saw the circles? Mills shrugged. Maybe or maybe not. Hard to say. You were obvious, though. No doubt about you. What? I hesitated. What am I? You are a keeper of the old magic. It's inside you. That's what makes you special. That's what sets you apart. And that's why Hiptis didn't work. This new information settled slowly over my brain like a fog. Mills took my hands in her own. She gave them a squeeze. What you have cannot be controlled with medication, my dear. I tried to slow the frantic beating of my heart. I tried to breathe. For a moment I panicked because I had forgotten how to breathe. My lungs were tight and burned for air, but I could not remember how to inhale. Mills leaned in close and kissed my forehead gently. A rush of images entered my mind. A world that looked a little like ours, but fresher and new. More trees and plants interspersed among the buildings. More open spaces. People and emotions. Love, pain, despair, joy. The feelings had colors that painted the world. I kept my eyes closed, but I could feel the tears on my cheeks. A younger version of Mills appeared, and the story took a turn. She glittered. A sparkling cloud surrounded her, and she left a little on everything and everyone she encountered. There was another. A darker essence. Young, glittering Mills met and fell in love with this shadowy figure. Her shine dimmed. Darkness overtook the world. Fires, desolation, riots. The world fell to ruin and chaos in a battle of darkness and light. Then a gray calm settled over it all. The world became what it is now, gray and empty, numb. Mills reemerged, older and battered, limping. She had regained some of her glow, but it was less luminous and shimmering than before. 
She settled into the house at the end of the street, the edge of town between the world and the ancient forest. Mills stepped back and the images faded. What happens now? I asked quietly. Mills gave me a small, tight smile. You're coming with me to see the council. They interview all of the real ones. What am I? Mills gave me a real grin. It lit up her dour face. The young girl laughed and clapped her hands together. You, my dear, Mills said as she began to dance in a circle around me, are a hellcat. You are a charmer, a norn. She stopped and placed her ice-cold hands on my burning cheeks. There was a fire in the pit of my stomach that was both powerful and somewhat unpleasant. Her eyes held mine for a long time and the fire grew. A cloud of vapor formed between us. It glittered the way Mills had glittered in the vision she had shared. I heard the girl gasp, but I couldn't see her. I couldn't look away from Mills. The sparkling cloud enveloped us. It swirled and danced around us, but we did not break eye contact. The fire was an inferno now. It was going to burn me up, destroy me, and leave me a pile of ashes. Honestly, I was okay with it. And that is the end of Chapter 15, Book Lovers. I hope you're still enjoying Feelers. Join me next week for Chapter 16. And don't forget to check out the full episode of M's Books and Cats podcast every Thursday, where I talk about books and cats and lots of fun stuff. As always, if you would like to read ahead, there is a link to purchase the ebook or the paperback in the show description. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, keep reading.